show. Coming up in the show, I'll tell you about a guy from Chattanooga you've likely never heard of. Have the evangelical white Christian base been saved by Don Trump? Spoiler alert, no. And there was a big party this past weekend, and the new bland of media in Chattanooga, Tennessee, from Fraud Radio 102.3, the Brian Joyce, was trolled live and in person. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Hang on! Dear God, we pray that Brian Stone make it through this day. In your name we pray. Whatever, dude. say you do here it's stone's weekly dose very hard to say my name correctly like brian yeah right what's your deal man your midweek download destination i like his style it's a sort of casual elegance i'm slaying lame and i'm exposing fraud this is pathetic this is embarrassing mic drop turn off the podcast it's stone's weekly dose Note to self, don't die, please. I want you here for each and every one of the midweek download destinations. The Stone On Air podcast, a weekly dose for July 5th, 2017. I also want you here for, you know, your family and your pursuit of happiness and all that as well. But since you're listening to the show, I want you to live for that as well. My name is Brian Stone, at Stone On Air on all social media. Thanks for finding the show, however it is you do so. Coming up, a handful of different things. I'll tell you about the opening menu, if you will, in a matter of a minute or two. Big party over the weekend. That's going to be the opening segment. And a certain person was trolled. Of course, if you heard the opening intro, which you heard that stupid song from that dumb band. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited about this one, man. All social media at Stone on Air. Uh, Gmail is the email at, or excuse me, Stone on Air at Gmail. If you want to get a hold of me for any reason? Each and every Wednesday at 10 a.m., this show airs on ChattanoogaTalks.com, a brand new website that um, has just basically live uh, talk radio all day. Most all of it is, is syndicated from across the country, but at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, you can hear this podcast along with the secret internet, quote-unquote, internet-only segment that you can also get on stoneonair.com, and then the podcast will just have the uh, the, 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 the three segments that you've become uh, used to for this uh, midweek Wednesday download destination. If you are new to the show, every single Wednesday, first thing when you wake up, this show is available. It's kind of a snapshot of the week, snapshot of the month, snapshot of life. It's kind of whatever I want to do. I met with a guy just the other day about uh, really supercharging the, uh, the website, and I'm excited about this. It's going to take some, some money and some time and some effort but I'm really, really, really excited about it. It, might, it probably won't be until the fall before it actually happens. I really don't know. I'm just making guesses because we, we've only had one meeting over, uh, you know, a cup of coffee to talk about it. And uh, I told him, I was like, I'm gambling on myself here, man. I'm totally, I'm all in, pushing all the cards to the middle of the table. I'm gambling on myself. And because if you like me, you like it. Great, cool. Probably see you back here again. And if you think I suck or you hate me, I might have lost you forever. 
So it's it is a gamble, no doubt. Like this show isn't about Braves baseball. This show isn't about The Walking Dead. This show isn't about Better Call Saul. This show isn't about how to improve your business relationships. I mean, this is just a show about whatever I want it to be about. And more times than not, it's about the city of Chattanooga. And uh, so let me get to what we're doing here coming up. In the final segment, the secret segment for StoneOnAir.com and ChattanoogaTalks.com, I'm going to look at some of the applicants for the new Chattanooga police chief, how many of them are from Chattanooga, how many are from outside of Chattanooga, and some thoughts on that as we're getting closer and closer to replacing Fred Fletcher, who should have never replaced the former police chief, Bobby Dodd, one of the best ones in my lifetime, but that's the reality of the of the situation. I'll talk about that in the final secret internet only segment. In the Stone's Throw segment, I don't think this is a big deal at all, not even like a little bit a big deal, but I'm still going to talk about it for a minute because I don't like what's happening on Facebook and certain things on, on social media and on the internet. And I, I'm not dumb, but I do sometimes get a little confused. Well, I mean, actually, I am dumb. It just depends on what the situation is. But I get a little confused as to how things happen with invites and jokes or real invites or those kinds of things. And there's a really stupid joke out there. And I didn't really like how it was presented. And then I didn't really like how I was engaged with it without even being asked or even approached about it. I'll get that to the Stones throw segment here in just about uh, 10 to 12 minutes or so from right now. And in, in the third segment, I'm going to talk about Don Trump and the political world for a few minutes. I don't do that a whole lot. I don't do it much at all, as a matter of fact. But I, I still think I get the, uh, the opportunity occasionally to do it. I don't want to drive people away and I don't want to piss people off. So I try to stay away from that whenever I can. But in this situation, I just wanted to talk about this and how it relates to the evangelical Christians and how I think it's just an absolute fraudulent mess and how all this has come together. And I've got a piece from, let me make sure I get it right, Robert P. Jones from The Atlantic. Trump can't reverse the decline of white Christian America. And I want to touch on that here in the third segment. I didn't like Donald Trump two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, and I don't really like him now. But this segment is less about Trump, and it's more about supposed Christians. And I'm going to be delicate and be careful to not upset people. But I think it's an interesting thought process coming from uh, a guy who doesn't uh, practice this kind of stuff. So if you if that's touchy for you, you want to hear it, bail on out in the third segment. But coming up right now. As we get into this first segment, this is, I love it when something just drops right into my lap. Over the weekend, first of all, I want to say congratulations to Maddie Scoo, as a lot of us call him, uh, Matt Scudleric, and Jason Bowers. Jason Bowers, who I've, I, I'm certain I've met. I'm certain I've met this, this dude at some point. I recognize his face when I see his social media, but I'm not friends with him. But uh, Maddie Scoo, I am. They are the uh, co-owners of... Bitter Alibi, I believe they're both uh, in the Daily Ration thing. I know they have involvement. In some, I, don't, I don't know exactly all the partnerships. Not all that worried about that at this point. But I know that they together opened up Bitter Alibi about three years ago. It's over on uh, Houston Street, 825 Houston Street, if I remember that number uh, right as well, the street number, in the uh, revitalized and booming area of MLK Boulevard. And, uh, man, what a, what a cool uh, area of town that's becoming. But they had their third anniversary block party. And I was going to do the show live there. A lot of the uh, the regulars, I, I am close to a regular at Bitter. Not as much as some of my um, friends would like me to be. But 
Brad Girl and uh, the Congressman Don Sayers and uh, and and Brad Guy and and uh, Hillary Libby and lots of others that go there all the time and 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 I enjoy spending time with them. So I was like, okay, I'll come down for sure, but I don't really feel like doing the show. I mean, I don't have anything prepared. Well, they said, well, who cares if you don't have anything prepared? Come on down anyway. So I decided, okay, fine. You talk me into it. Let's do it. Drag my stuff down there to do the show live to tape on the street. And then a massive sell of rain came that we weren't exactly expecting initially. And it washed the place out. It was the second storm of the day. The first storm came and went pretty quick. The second storm hung around for about two hours. And, but it didn't damper, the, it didn't screw the party up. It didn't ruin the party. The party was still able to go for several hours after that. I just got soaked, soaking ass wet, and luckily didn't ruin any of my equipment. So I said, you know what? I'm out of here. Screw this. I'm done. But so, uh, and that's fine. And everybody had a good time. I saw the pictures. I saw the Snapchats. It looked like it was awesome. So congratulations to them, first of all. But, so, and I'm not going to tell you who orchestrated this. If you would like to know, you can just get a hold of me. I'll tell you, uh, you know, off the record. But I hear uh, earlier on 4th of July, I hear this um, situation with the new bland of media over at Talk Radio 102.3, the fraud monster, that the Brian Joyce was at this party. And where I, this conversation starts with the people who I will leave a couple of them nameless, I looked on one of these guys, I think it was a Bitter Alibi page or one of the owner's pages, where... Where Joyce takes it, and for those you don't know, he does an afternoon show on this radio station, low powered, low wattage radio station that no one listens to. And he posted a picture on there and said, Hey, here's a picture I snapped. Feel free to use it on any of your publicity. Like this jackass had a picture that was going to be somehow so much better than everyone else's that just so you know, you have the permission of him to use it on your publicity. It was so stupid and so typical, this dude. So he's hanging out, and then a guy over in the corner, really, and I'm not there. I have nothing to do with this period. Nothing, period, to, period, do, period, with, period, this. I'm telling you. Telling you the truth. And so one of these guys gets his, his wife or girlfriend or somebody to go up to him and say, uh, tap him on the shoulder and said, hey, uh, hey, hey, are you Jeff Styles?" And he looks at him just kind of like, what the hell? No, I'm... The Brian Joyce. Now, in full disclosure, I don't know if he said the Brian Joyce. I just like to think that the pompous guy probably did. But I'm Brian Joyce. Oh, okay. And then walked off. So, you know, he's just like, what the hell was that? And so, like, a little while longer. I don't know how long. 10, 15 minutes or so. Maybe a little longer. I'm not sure. They... I don't know that this matters, but it just this was the way the story was told to me that one a, a good buddy of the same girl who went over there to to do the first little troll in person troll had a a, a gay uh, one of her gay friends, gay male who was real flamboyant, and sent him up to the top level of the bitter alibi, which is called the the fix, I believe. It's where all the the mixed drinks are, the craft uh, cocktails are. And gets up there, and in the break of the music, when you everybody is just kind of, it's, it's not quiet, but there's nothing overly distracting, just starts screaming in a really high-pitched voice of, Oh my God! Can you believe it, everybody? Jeff Styles is here! Look! Jeff! Hey! Jeff Styles! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Something like that. Pointing at him. 
the entire place is looking like, first of all, who the hell is Jeff Styles? <laughs> Second of all, what the hell is going on here? So inside joke to be sure, but very attention uh, causing to be sure as well. And so a little bit later, they're standing in the beer line. They're, I mean, this was almost like a 10-year-old birthday party for a little while. Everybody's drunk, drinking, throwing water balloons at each other this is before I left. And then so the dude who decided and the people around him that this was pretty funny, let's keep going, finds another person they've never met before, never heard of any of these people, walks up and does the same thing again and just says, hey, oh, my God. Somebody told me you were here. Jeff Styles, you're here. This is so awesome. This is so good to see you. And it was just like, you could, from what I could tell, again, I wasn't there. From what I can tell and been told, he was visibly pissed off. And I don't know what his, re- what his uh, <laughs> exact um, reaction was at that point. And they had their fourth person waiting in, the, waiting in the wings, like on the on deck circle, ready to go do it. And from what I was told, from what I was told, Brian, the Brian Joyce, the new bland of media in Chattanooga, just stormed off, puffed, puffed, puff, I'm out of here, and stormed off. That, my friends, is absolutely an incredible story. And some of you might not know what that any of these people are or what that story means or any of these parts but the ones of you that do know how incredibly cool that story is why am i getting invites to fake events that are supposedly jokes that aren't funny that somehow automatically have me marked as going that is this week's stone's throw heads up it's stone's throw wait what oh whoa back up the truck what are you talking about is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me, I'm stupid, I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? Now this isn't a real big deal. I just thought it was kind of stupid. And I reached out to a couple people to find out more about it. But I noticed earlier Well, maybe not earlier this week. It might have been at the end of last week or maybe a couple weeks back. I don't know. I use Facebook as self-promotion. That's really basically all I use it for. I use Twitter for regular conversation um, about just live uh, events. I use Snapchat to just kind of play around and have some fun. I don't use Periscope hardly ever anymore, but I use Facebook basically for self-promotion. And I get a ton of requests and invites to all these different things. And I, I'm just not worried about it. I don't care. I don't spend a lot of time looking at it. And if I really you know, enjoy it, then I go check it out and then I go from there. It doesn't happen very often that I get invited to something that I'm actually interested in. And so the other day I realized that I'm, I'm invited to, it's like, hey, you've got a bunch of events coming up this week. You better check it out. And so I went and looked, and I saw this thing at Sir Goonies. Now it says Beyonce is going to be there. Now, obviously, that's not true. This isn't real. Whatever. Fake stuff on the internet. Oh, my God, I'm appalled. Yeah, it's been there ever since the internet began. But whatever. So I just I go ahead and go and click over it. And it's kind of a juxtaposed picture of Beyonce and then this big-ass gorilla, like the big uh, gorilla uh, statue thing at, I guess, at Sir Goonies. Hell, I don't know. I haven't been there in... 20 years. So it just, I'm not even trying to say that it was in necessarily poor taste or that it was any kind of, of, 
I don't know what I'm trying to say, disrespect towards anybody in a, from a racially insensitive uh, angle or anything like that. Because I don't spend a lot of time worrying or caring about that stuff. I know where I come from, and I know that how I believe and how I believe people should be treated, and I don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about what everybody else thinks. But it immediately looked at as like, this is, I could see somebody seeing this and being highly offended by this based on the uber-sensitive nature of where America is right now. Now, maybe, maybe it's not as much right now because we're just so tired of all the mess from... Um, from Don Trump and everything else going on in, in Washington, which I'll talk more about next segment. Maybe it's not as much as I thought. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. But I just thought this could be looked at and c- as highly offensive and could be really blown out of proportion or blown to the proportion it should be to. I don't know, and I don't really care. You know what I do care about is that I look at this event and I see that I'm I don't remember how many different options I had, but I had. it looked like I was interested in, quote-unquote, like I had clicked interested in, liked, and had clicked that I was going. I'm like, I never even heard of these people. It's like Britain, I think the guy's name is Britain Ware. I don't know. I've never met him, don't care about him. I mean, as far as, like, I'm not mad at this guy. I don't know him. I'm not sure. Or maybe I have, and if I did, I've, I, and I forgot, I apologize. I, I just don't know anything about this, and somehow I'm, I'm marked as interested, going, and liked. Like, what the hell is going on here? If this were to have turned into a big storm of activity of people mad, then somehow I am marked down as as attending and liking and interested in something I've never even heard of. And so I hit up Sean Phipps over at Nougat.com, and I hit up Nathan Gale and some other people that I know follow a lot of things in Chattanooga, and I said, what the hell is this? What the, What is this? And apparently this is some kind of joke that goes on and on over the years for different holidays. They say some random person's going to be at Sir Goonies or some random person's going to be at, I don't know, Riverbend. Hell, I just don't know. I've never heard of it. It's not funny. It's not a good joke. And maybe it was, and now it's run its course. I have no idea. All I know is that somehow there was a Facebook invite of a fake event posed as a you know, a serious, real joke. Like, this is, our goal here is to make you laugh. And our goal here is to try to trick people, which might, in turn, get laughs. And when I looked at it, I thought nothing was funny about this. I just mentioned it's been 20 years since I've been to uh, Goonie Golf. If I remember right, there's, like, probably two dozen different, like, characters and statues and and things on the course of the is it 18 holes hell I don't even know there's all kinds of little like statues and and things like that that you could take a picture of but in this situation they chose to pick the gorilla juxtaposed next to Beyonce yeah I mean whatever poor taste or not I'm not overly worried about but somebody might have had a problem with that and somebody might have looked and said oh hey look and that um Man, I thought that Brian Stone, he likes and he's he's in, he's going to attend this and he's interested in this. First of all, is this guy so dumb he doesn't even realize it's a joke? Or is this guy so sh- shallow and um, and insensitive that he doesn't care that this is uh, this is in poor taste? It doesn't matter whether you like that or, or agree with it or not. I want to be associated with it. So how is it that I am, quote unquote, going to or, quote unquote, interested in or, quote unquote, liked this event that's apparently a 
joke, which I think is not even close to funny. I don't know. I mean, it's a legitimate question. I do not know the answer to it. And I don't like that. I don't like being automatically marked as I'm attending something that I've not only never heard of, but not, but might not in the end approve of whatsoever. This is the Stone On Air podcast, the most listened to, the most downloaded, the most easily accessible show in the city of Chattanooga. Like, share, and always love. Be sure to rate and review if you get a chance. Coming up on July 8th, the second Saturday uh, show over at Station Street are going to be headlined by The Communicators. Good friends of mine, interchangeable band, uh, upwards of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different people that come in and out of play in this band. They're going to bring some guitars down from Soundbirds. I'm going to be set up there. I'm going to be recording the, the podcast live to tape. TJ and friends from the Communicators are going to be my guests. It's going to be a big time down on the south side, and I hope to see you there. This is the Glowing Bordist Band with Dan Pinson. TJ, who I just mentioned, and Jonathan Sussman. So if you are listening to this before July 8th, please come on down. It's a free admission. There's uh, plenty of concessions. There's food, beer, the whole deal. Station Street is where all the cool people are on the south side. We'll see you there. Coming up next, white evangelical Christians. Are they a dying breed? And did Don Trump save them? Coming up next on the Stone On Air podcast. Hang tight. Welcome back to the show. This is LP. Live on the Tonight Show, I believe. Burning like this falling tender, longing for the days of no surrender years ago. I honestly can't remember if I told this story on the podcast or not. I don't think I did. And it's not really that great of a story. So I guess the question is, then why are you telling it, dude? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. But I'll summarize a quick one on the way out at the end of this segment about LP and my, I don't want to call it relationship because there wasn't one, but a few times I was around her back in the day. I was like in love almost. I mean, not really, but... But I'll do that at the end of this segment. So, in this segment, what I what I want to do and my goal is, is to not upset anybody. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Whether you're a Christian. Whether you're a Muslim. Whether you're a believer. Whether you're a non-believer. No matter what you are, I hope that what I don't do is upset you. Now, that is a tall order, right? That's a tough task to go down the roads of politics or religion and hope that somebody doesn't come out offended or pissed off. That's tough. But if anybody can do it, I think it might be me. I don't know. Maybe I'm giving myself uh, too much credit here. I'm not sure. 
Uh, I'll introduce you to the guy that you've never heard of, probably, who is from the city of Chattanooga here in a minute in reference to the President of the United States, who is becoming harder and harder to defend every day. Well, depending on who you are. I'm going to read a piece from The Atlantic. It's written by Robert P. Jones. It is like 11 pages long. I'm going to not do all that. I don't... I'm not a, I don't do read you radio a lot, but occasionally I find some pieces that I like to read portions of, and I'll get to that here in a minute. I will just start with this, is that I'm not mad at you for anything that you believe in as long as you can at least somewhat explain in a, in a dialogue why it is that you believe in it. Now, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, a demand that you tell me, but I mean, from a, st- a, set- a setting of respect where we sit around and talk, as long as you know, I say this all the time the answer's in the back of the book. I just need to see your work. Show me your work, and if it makes sense, then, then I'm, on, you know, I'm on board whether I agree or not. Like, I, I have the fullest, utmost respect for you that I could possibly have. But if your work is all janky and it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't, you know, the two plus two equals five. Well, then I'm going to I'm going to question that. And most people who are in my my peer group and my social circles and people who I run with and hang with and talk with most of those people's work adds up or I wouldn't hang out with them. But there's so many people in the country whose work doesn't add up. And when I see that, I immediately discredit it as fraud. Well, the other day I was talking to somebody I care about deeply. And we were talking um, at long length about something. And she said to me, listen, you're calling people frauds all the time, which, of course, the president's doing now. I should have uh, maybe uh, trademarked that. But anyway, uh, I'm joking. Um, She said, listen, if somebody doesn't understand that what they're doing is fraudulent, then they're not being frauds. Being frauds are people who are trying to mislead you. And I just I disagreed with that. I, th- I think there's a, a fine line between fraudulent behavior and also hypocritical behavior. They're both the same. The authenticity of, of both those are off. They're not real. They're not right. They don't match up. And I'm not mad at you. And I'm not mad at the believer. I'm not mad, mad at the man or woman of faith. I'm not mad at the Christian. But more times than not that I've found out over the course of my life, the believer the man and woman of faith and the Christian are mad at me for not being what they are. And that goes against all the beliefs and all the practices of your so-called religion and Christian values and, and practices. And that's where I get a little ir- irritated. I'm not mad at anybody who does something that makes them feel better. You know, l- believes something, follows something, practices something, no matter what it is. From extracurricular activities to, uh, to, to, to worship in the freaking sun. I don't care. Never have. Never have even a little bit. It's a bunch of other people who've always cared about what I think. And, what I, and, and, and chastise me. And, I, and lots of people like me have had to deal with this a lot. And a lot of people listen to this. You understand where I'm coming from. I, I have friends. My, one of my best friends in the world has told me out loud that he knows. Or, well, let me rephrase that. That he does not truly believe in Christianity and all the teachings that come with it, but because he wants to fit in with his family and his children who he is raising to have a high moral values and high principles, 
that he's going to go along with it anyway because he thinks it's his best chance to make sure he, he raises a quality family. Now, while I don't totally agree with that idea, I at least appreciate the honesty. I just need to know where you're coming from. Show me your work. I already know the answer. Show me your work. So around last year, all of a sudden, all the Christian values and moral ethics and all these things have been preached to me since I've, you know, since I'm, I'm a child of the 80s and a, and a teenager of the 90s. You know, your president had to be a white man with a, with a wife and a couple of kids and a, do- a cat and a dog and a white picket fence. I mean, th- this is how this was supposed to be. And growing up, I was always a, 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 a not a history buff by any, ma- by any stretch of the imagination, but I really, really did well in social studies and history classes because I, I just generally was interested in it. I didn't have, you don't have to teach me. I taught myself. I wanted to be taught. And I've always had a hu- such a high respect for the office of the presidency. Well, that's kind of changed here recently. I mentioned earlier, I didn't like Don Trump two and a half years ago, one and a half years ago, and I don't like him now. And that's not going to change. I'll get back to that more here in a minute as far as the white Christian America goes and whether it's in decline and whether this presidency is going to save it or not. Come back to here in just a minute. But a lot of this mess on Twitter is just going, it's just getting worse. I mean, this, this stupid meme and the CNN head getting punched from some stupid thing from WWE. And I mean, it's just like, it's like, this is, this is insanity and it can't, it can't continue except for it's going to continue is the biggest problem. And there's a guy here from right here in Chattanooga. I've been following him for the last, I don't know, maybe going on two years or so. And the more I read about him, the more I look into his work, the more I am fascinated by this man. His name is John Meacham. He's the executive director at Random House, which is the largest paperback publisher in the world. He's a former editor-in-chief at Newsweek. He's a 2009 Pulitzer Prize winner for biographies for American Lion, Andrew Jackson, and the White House. He's a regular on PBS, MSNBC, and Real Time with Bill Maher. Again, his name is John Meacham, and he's, uh, let's see, I want to say he's about 55. Don't have that in front of me right now. I think he's about 55 years old and uh, just as accomplished as he could be from a, a, you know, a writer and an executive director and a publisher. And he's from Chattanooga. You've probably never heard of him. And, and not that you would have a lot of reason to, but his writing is fascinating. His, um, his, his talking points and his conversationalism is fascinating. And he was on with Brian Williams. Forget it if you hate him. This is not about Brian Williams or MSNBC, but he was on about a week ago talking about this was in reference to the way the, the president has been tweeting, the way the president talks, the narrative, the rhetoric, and his expertise from being historian of past presidents from the last 240 years. This is John Meacham. Yeah, Henry Adams once said that a president has a, a course to steer and a port to seek. And you, you, want, uh, you want a president who thinks big and thinks brightly. Uh, Jefferson uh, was a master of talking about how the, the sun of, the, of progress was going to go over the continent and when it, no one knew when it would ever set. President Reagan improved on Jesus uh, when he talked about a shining city on a hill in the Sermon on the Mount. It was just a city on a hill, uh, but Reagan's visual imagination made that even more more vivid. It's uncharted waters. It, it, it's a, it's an odd and disconcerting moment, uh, to say the least. My own uh, hope is that 
when we look back on this, it will simply have been a waste of America's time and not the beginning of a serious, uh, serious uh, cataclysm. That's John Meacham on MSNBC about a week ago at the end of June. Of course, I mentioned before a native of Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you enjoy just well put together um, uh, biographies on past presidents, that's what he does, and that's what he does well. John Meacham is his name. So that got me moving more towards looking into different things about what the president has been up to and how he's been operating. And it got me back to thinking again of, and I often say fake Christians. I don't mean to call out people who are real Christians and make them feel like I'm belittling them or talking down to them because I'm not because most people I know are Christians and I believe most of them are real. But a lot of this came down to at the end of last year, white Evangelical Christians terrified of what is going to happen next because there's been long, long running conversations about how the white man will be the minority in this country eventually, and white people are terrified. This is Robert P. Jones on the decline of white Christian America in America from the Atlantic. This is just portions of it here on the Stone on Air podcast. Down the home stretch of the 2016 presidential campaign, one of Don Trump's most consistent talking points was a claim that America's changing demographics and culture had brought the country to a precipice. He repeatedly cast himself as the last chance for Republicans and conservative white Christians to step back from the cliff, to preserve their power and their way of life. In an interview on Pat Robinson's Christian Broadcasting Network in September of 2016, Trump put the choice starkly for the channel's conservative Christian viewers. Quote, if we don't win this election, you'll never see another Republican and you'll have a whole different church structure. When asked to elaborate, Trump continued, quote, I think this will be the last election that the Republicans have a chance of winning because you're going to have people flowing across the border. You're going to have illegal immigrants coming in and they're going to be legalized and they're going to be able to vote. And once all that happens, You can forget it, end quote. Remember how I always call him a maniacal demagogue? That's part of why. Back to the piece from Robert P. Jones and The Atlantic. Despite the outcome of the 2016 elections, the key long-term trends indicate white Christian America's decline is continuing unabated. Over the last eight years, the percentages of Americans who identify as white and Christian fell 11 percentage points and support for same-sex marriage jumped 18 percentage points. One of the most perplexing features of the 2016 election was the high level of support Don Trump received from white evangelical Protestants. How did a group that once proudly identified itself as values voters come to support a candidate who had been married three times, cursed from the campaign stump, owned casinos, appeared on the cover of Playboy magazine, and most remarkably was caught on tape bragging in the most graphic terms about habitually grabbing women's genitals without their permission. White evangelical voters' attraction to Trump was even more mysterious because the early GOP presidential field offered candidates with strong evangelical credentials, such as Ted Cruz, a longtime Southern Baptist whose father was a Baptist minister, and Marco Rubio, a conservative Catholic who could talk with ease and familiarity about his own personal relationship with Jesus. Last paragraph and a half. Fears about the present and desire for a lost past bound together with partisan attachments ultimately overwhelmed values voters' convictions. 
rather than standing on principle and letting the chips fall where they may, white evangelicals fully embraced a consequentialist ethics that works backward from predetermined political ends, bending or even discarding core principles as needed to achieve a predetermined outcome. When it came to the 2016 election, the ends were deemed so necessary, they justified the means. 20 years from now, there is little chance that 2016 will be celebrated as a revival of white Christian America. No matter how many Christian right leaders are installed in positions of power over this administration, rather, this election will most likely be remembered as the one in which white evangelicals traded away their integrity and their influence in a gambit to resurrect their power. As John Meacham said a few minutes ago, I, I agree with him. I hope that this stretch of time just becomes something that was a waste of America's time and we can get back to something that somewhat resembles or even a semblance of normalcy. This is LP. The song is called Cinderella. It was on the album um, from uh, 1998's Gentleman Blues from Cracker. And there was like two or three shows. I traveled around the southeast to go see Cracker and LP. It's a girl. That's her name. I can't remember even the real name. That's just her uh, 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 initials. And there was a couple nights where we're the same age. She's 37 now. I'm 37 now. But then we were 18, 19 years old. And I saw her at a couple bars. I was like, and you know, we talked for a couple times during these club shows. And I just thought, oh my god. I was like, I think this girl's into me. Like, this is nuts. Now I'm like 18, 19 years old. Right. I thought she was, I was like, this LP girl's into me, I think, man. Uh, <laughs> no, she's not, bro. She's a lesbian. <laughs> Found that out a few years later. But then she dropped off the map and then started doing a bunch of um, music for, uh, like, Christina Aguilera and the Backstreet Boys. She was a writer for all these years. And in the last uh, year and a half, she put out this new album, and it's freaking incredible. LP, check it out. My name is Brian Stone. It's time to call it a day. Coming up next, the super secret only segment for StoneOnAir.com and ChattanoogaTalks.com. And check it out next. Talk about the uh, some of the candidates for Chattanooga mayor, which will be selected here, I guess, here pretty soon. We'll talk about it next. Or we'll talk again next week on the Midweek Download Destination. This has been the Weekly Dose for July 5th, 2017. Don't be a fraud. Truth is easy to remember. Continue to watch this space. See you later. Bye. <laughs>